Now I'm going to start off by saying that I miss you guys. I probably should have bought flowers and candy, but I know I've been away a long time. I haven't recorded an episode since December 19th of 2022. December, January, February, March. A little over three months. But your boy has had a lot going on. Welcome to the premiere episode of 2023. I hope you guys had a fantastic New Year. Happy New Year in March, right? <laughs> I hope you guys had a fantastic holiday, a happy New Year. I hope up until this point, things are going well for you and yours. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Heroes Retreat with Noel Cruz. It feels good to be doing this. As you guys know, this is my therapy. I hope I could extend that uh, therapy to you in some way, shape, or form, on a drive home, ride home, on a break from work, whatever. If I make you laugh, if I make you think, then mission accomplished. Just want to give a quick shout out to all of my loyal listeners, people who have reached out and be like, hey man, what are you doing? You know, where's the next episode going to drop? So to everyone who listens, quick rundown. Guys that I used to work with and I love to death, Zeus, Harrison, Big Al, uh, Aaron, if you're listening, you have a birthday coming up. Aaron Schneider, he listens from time to time. So if you guys run into him, tell him, hey, no, we'll give you a birthday shout out <laughs> to my family, to my nephews, Vic and Devin and James and and who else? I know I'm missing a lot of people. I don't have that many listeners to to my cousin Patricia and her sons, to my cousin Ariel in Texas. I went down to Austin to see him, which is another reason why I haven't recorded an episode in a while. To his wife, Emily, who took care of me like I was a king. To his sons, Chris. To his son, Gabriel. Oh, man, barbecue in Texas is some lethal shit, boy. Terry Blacks, I will never forget it. We shot guns. We did the typical Texas thing. Uh, Cuz, if you're listening, I love you, brother. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking such good care of me in a short amount of time. Uh, Sean, Alejandro, Satya, I know you listen. Solange, sweetheart, thank you always for your support. To Maximilian, the new member of the family. To my nephew James and his son Leo, his new addition to his beautiful family. Guys, thank you. I love you so much and to all my other listeners who take the time to hear me ramble and spend three minutes on family shout outs family and friends shout outs thank you always i promise i will be as consistent as possible all right so given that i have been away for three months this is going to be what i call one of those big deal episodes we got a lot of shit to talk about all right a lot um, I'm going to try to hit all the beats of everything that I kind of made note. I even made notes for this one. You know how sometimes I just get a little too casual and just like go off the top of my head with this, but I made notes cause there's a lot that's kind of happened. Uh, primarily I'm going to hit, uh, three movie reviews, um, which they will be the most recent films that have come out. They are Ant-Man and the Quantumania, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and he may not be a superhero, but there is something about this film that I came to appreciate to realize that he is, in fact, he has his own universe. And he is, in his own right, kind of a superhero. And I'm speaking none other than the, the fantastic Keanu Reeves 
and his fourth installment of the John Wick series, John Wick Chapter 4. So I'm going to touch on these films um, and give you my perspective, at least. One of the biggest things that I think I touched about on my previous episode is the DC Universe. Um, as you know, a lot of things going on there. A gentleman by the name of James Gunn, who is the director of the films Guardians of the Galaxy, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, which will be coming out in May, is the director of the DC film The Suicide Squad, kind of a pseudo-remake of the first Suicide Squad film that DC tried to shove down our throats and was absolutely horrible, with the exception of the fantastic Margot Robbie. Um, James Gunn is now the head of their superhero film franchise studio, the DC Studios. Now, this is incredibly interesting for many different reasons. In particular, one of one of the things that has stood very, very firm with me, like a very, very kind of sharp memory that I have, is that I remember walking out of Guardians of the Galaxy. For you guys who listen regularly, you know where I'm going with this, and I'm sorry to subject you to it again, but when I walked out of the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, this was before the release of Batman versus Superman, the first film, or the only film, because I don't think Batman versus Superman had a sequel. But when I walked out of the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, I was incredibly impressed. I was really, really, really impressed with the overall tone of the film, the pace, the characters, the acting, all of it. You really kind of had unknown actors at the time. Um, you know, the the lead the lead actor was uh, in Parks and Recreation. Uh, Chris, not Pine, whatever his name is. I'm sorry, I just had a lot of coffee, so I'm running fast. Um, Zoe Saldana, you had Vin Diesel as Groot, who just consistently said, I am Groot throughout the whole film. You know, no real major supervillain. And it just, you know, it is what it is. It just ran under the Marvel banner. It had, I think it had the good fortune of being released at the time Disney had acquired Marvel. So they had a bit more money to play with. But all I remember is Chris Pratt, sorry. Uh, it's funny too, because he's actually, he's actually gonna be you know somewhere close to where I work. But anyway, it's privileged information. But anyway, moving on. Um, I remember walking out of the theater after seeing that and I was so impressed. I was so impressed. And I remember I, I called a buddy of mine named Mike. Uh, and we were he was the first person I called. And we were talking and he's like, you know, bro, what did you think about the movie? And I said, Mike, I got to be honest with you, man. This shit was really good. Like, re like these are, as I say, D-list level characters. You got to be a serious comic nerd to say, yeah, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, and Star-Lord is my favorite and all this shit because they're not very well known like they're beneath like ghost rider and daredevil you know and shit like that you know you're now you're going into like nova and things like that these aren't characters that don't necessarily get their own monthly comic books or at least growing up when i was a kid they had like a limited series run or they would be bought into big events like you know uh the infinity war or civil war things like that and i remember i told mike i said mike not for nothing but this was this was really a, a really solid movie it was entertaining it was fun the effects were great like i was captivated i believed in the team as a unit rocket raccoon 
was hilarious. You know, it just, it was, it was everything a comic movie needed to be. The guy who directed this shit is genius. And this is where I kind of shit on DC and put it out there into the universe. I said in that quote, DC better come with some serious shit with Batman versus Superman because if a movie like this is being released by Marvel with no name characters and Batman versus Superman fails, we're going to have a problem. <sighs> I never should have said it. Because I remember I was sitting through Batman vs. Superman at some points and I was looking at my watch and that's always a bad fucking thing. Particularly for me. <sighs> Batman vs. Superman is released. You know, it's it's done as part of a trilogy. You know, Zack Snyder did Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and then he had to come back to do Justice League. Where he did Man of Steel and I thought was absolutely beautiful in every way. Batman versus Superman just took itself way too seriously and had really, really bad choices that they decided to go forward with. One in particular was Doomsday. The other was the horrific casting of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I've already gone over that. Listen to previous episodes. Don't want to beat a dead horse because at this point, I'm into fucking hamburger. That's how many times I've destroyed that film. Ben Affleck was a saving grace as Batman Bruce Wayne, as was Gal Gadot's first appearance as Wonder Woman, who was everything Wonder Woman needed to be. She was brilliant. Moving forward, DC had a lot of hits and misses. They would do, you know, they one step forward, two steps back. It's like, you know, Justice League had to be four hours long for, you know, for Zack Snyder to get his point across. It's too many slow motion moments. Every time Wonder Woman touched the fucking sword, you hear women ah, ah, doing some kind of, and I'm sorry if I blew out like your ears with that yell, but you have some woman chanting every time she touched the sword or jumped through a window or some shit. It was just, it was oversaturation to me. It's like Zack Snyder, you know, just... I don't know. He just in, he indulges indulges himself too much. He goes too far. And unfortunately, he's not surrounded by people who can rein him in and be like, Zach, maybe we should, you know, kind of come back on that. So Justice League had to be four hours. It was on HBO Max. It was bearable because, you know, you could pause it and eat and then watch it again. The best part to me of the Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, is that it is his complete vision. It did what it was more cohesive than what Josh Whedon had to do because he was bought in. Josh Whedon was the director of the first two Avenger films for Marvel. And ultimately, to me, the best part was finally when you had Batman and the Joker, Jared Leto, who was horrible in The Suicide Squad, which is a shit film altogether. But to see that universe's Joker and that universe's Batman just have a verbal exchange. Jared Leto is an excellent actor. Ben Affleck is one of the top three Batman ever. I don't want to have a discussion about that shit. It is a fact. Top three. To see them have an exchange, and it's funny because when they recorded that, neither actor was in the room with one another. So that was brilliant unto itself, was a saving grace. Everything else in this universe just pretty much fell to shit. The first Wonder Woman literally brought tears to my eyes. It did. I'm not going to lie, particularly when she ran out of that trench in the World War II scenes 
to fight the Nazis that were shooting at her, and she stood her ground holding the shield, and you could see how they're shooting the fifty caliber gun at her, and it's you could tell her feet are sliding back, but she's she's not gonna stop because she's a warrior. You're gonna have to kill her. The first Wonder Woman to me is right up there with Christopher Reeve, Superman, Batman, nineteen eighty nine, the Dark Knight trilogy. I'll have words with anyone who says otherwise. Was it perfect? No, but it came pretty fucking close. So Gal Gadot gets that. And her appearance in Justice League was great with the exception of those women wailing every time she threw a punch or grabbed a sword. So you have now coming up to what I will ultimately uh, review. You had films like Aquaman. Aquaman was fun with Jason Momoa. Rumor has it that the sequel has been screened and people have walked out. That's how bad it is. Okay, that's number one. Shazam. Shazam is a very interesting character. Not many people know about him. It's also kind of confusing because in the 40s and 50s, he was known as Captain Marvel. And the word Shazam is an acronym that he uses of the six gods that endow him with power. S. Solomon, H. Hercules, A. Achilles, Z. Zeus, A. Uh, Atlas, and M. Mercury. So the speed of Mercury, the strength of Atlas, the wisdom of Solomon, and so on. So when he screams, Shazam! He gets hit with lightning, and he now becomes a champion, right? That's what they call him. First film, fun. Lighthearted, fun, right? They slightly mention Black Adam-ish. They touch on him briefly that there was a first champion who went rogue, whatever the case. Okay. Then for some stupid reason, they wanted a cam... And the reason wasn't stupid. They wanted a cameo of Henry Cavell as Superman to interlock the characters of the same universe. And also, for people who don't regularly read comics, Superman is susceptible to kryptonite and to magic. And there is a book, and there are circumstances, where Shazam is corrupted, and he fights Superman, and he hands Superman his ass. He's one of the few people who can do it. But no, Warner Brothers ditched that idea, so at the end of Shazam, you see a cameo of Superman, but it's headless. So they show Superman's body with the S in the suit, but they don't show the head which is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever heard of. goes to show you that whoever was driving that boat at at, uh, Warner Brothers DC at the time was clearly driving the Titanic. All right. Again, Shazam fun film. It's a story of a teenager who possesses power of the gods. It's going to be funny. It's going to be hilarious. So let me get the review of Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods out of the way. Go see paint dry. Get rid of, like, dishes and pots and shit you don't need in your house. Do chores. Pay your taxes. Call your mom. Don't see this fucking movie. It was absolute shit. It was everywhere. I'm going to give you a a few key points on what I mean. And then you decide if you want to waste two hours of your time. I actually spent money on this. And it was my fault. I told my nephew Devin because I had nothing to do. We should have gone to Central Park and watched the grass grow. But no. My devotion to superheroes can cost me sometimes. Unicorns, Skittles, literally. Someone comes out. 
which is neither here nor there, but it's like in every movie now, somebody has to be gay. I don't get it. It just... <sighs> Superman Skittle, somebody comes out. I'm sorry, not Superman. Uh, Unicorn Skittle, somebody comes out. Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. Reasonably two really good actresses. Helen Mirren kind of takes a little bit more seniority in that sense because she's Helen Mirren. She's been around forever and her resume alone speaks volume. They're the main antagonists. They are the daughters of Atlas. Who decided that they would be ideal casting is beyond me, right? Dragons come out of nowhere. Shazam, his entire family now is, is the Shazamly as they call it. It's all over the place. This movie is all over the place. On top of that, the film Black Adam had been released, and I think I did a review of Black Adam with Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne Johnson did fairly well with that. I will say this about Black Adam. I think I gave it like a seven or something like that. His intro is one of the best intros I've seen in a DC superhero movie showing you who he is and what he is capable of. After that, the movie kind of takes a really big turn to mm, town. Pierce Brosnan is fantastic as Dr. Fate. Whoever is the dude that's playing Hawkeye does really well. You have a young actress who plays a character called Cyclone and another guy I believe is called the Autumn Smasher or something like that, that he could get really big. Uh, kind of the counter of what Ant-Man is. For all the hype that Dwayne Johnson gave that movie, it was... Meh. Yeah, it made a shit ton of money. Dwayne Johnson's a hot ticket right now. But there's a bit of conflict because it, it appears that Dwayne Johnson, one of the caveats to making this movie or something like that, was that they brought back Henry Cavill to play Superman so they could hype a Superman versus Black Adam movie. Great. Time. Black Adam and Superman are not really villains. Black Adam's nemesis, his core nemesis, is Shazam. I don't know what went on in the room, but it appears that Dwayne Johnson killed that idea. He nicks it. He's like, nobody's going to want to see that. They're going to want to see me and Superman. Yeah, listen, I'll pay to see that shit too. But one thing that Marvel does is that they respect the property. If you do not respect the source material, I'll say this shit till I'm blue in the face, you are going to fail. Plain and fucking simple. Plain and simple. And that's exactly what happened with Shazam Fury of the Gods. And that's exactly what happened that Dwayne Johnson will not be coming back as Black Adam, at least for the foreseeable future. So Henry Cavill, who was a fantastic Superman, he really was great. My Superman forever is Christopher Reeve. I don't care what anybody says. Henry Cavill is excellent. He looks the part. He's incredibly strong, big. I always say that Superman, whoever you cast, has to be somebody you will, who looks... They have to exude something that they look like the person you will run to. In, in, in the event of chaos or an emergency, you will run to that person for help because they look just like that they're they're a beacon of hope which is what he is batman not so much <laughs> batman i don't know if i'd run towards him if shit went down seriously i'd be like what and you know just fucking run the other way 
a gigantic bat spreading out his cape with lightning flashing behind? No, I'd rather run to the guy in the blue and yellow and red tights. But yeah, you know, the hype machine for nothing. Because now James Gunn is here and he is bringing in his own universe, which consists of everything from a new Superman trilogy that he is now directing. And it's funny because when he was when he was fired from Marvel over some tweets that he said like 20 years ago during that whole, you know, cancel movement nonsense, it was 20 years ago. The man has grown. He apologized. He said they were in incredibly poor taste and that he was an idiot for saying them. He took accountability and Marvel and DC decided to let him go. I'm sorry, Marvel and uh, the MCU decided to let him go or Disney and the MCU. So while he was kind of, biding his time dc jumped on him that's one of the smart things they did along with joker which by the way this week they dropped photos of lady gaga as harley quinn for this film for this universe for this universe's joker and she looks of course excellent minimal nothing crazy perfect to match joaquin's joker so you know i'm gonna be there day one but James Gunn is going to do a Superman trilogy. He is going to do, I believe, a Supergirl movie. He's going to do an HBO Max TV show about the Green Lanterns, which in my mind is one of the wa- one of the most wasted characters that they could have made a shit ton of money on. Think superheroes in Star Trek and combine that. The Green Lantern Corps are a group of heroes who are throughout the galaxy and every single living planet has a green lantern to protect them. So that's why if you look at green lantern comic books back in the day, or even now you'll see like a roach green lantern. The shit is hilarious, but Hey, even roaches need a superhero, somebody to defend them. So that's, that's the concept of the green lantern core. Earth has, I think four green lanterns. So again, you could bank on this shit. Did it show up in any of the Snyder films? For like 10 seconds. Right? But anyway, moving on. So, James Gunn has come in now to pretty much clean house. Cavill is gone. Gal Gadot is gone. Gal Gadot made a... Um, spoiler alert, but it's not going to fucking matter. I promise. Gal Gadot makes a cameo in Shazam. She brings him back to life. And then she walks away. And that's it. Looking as beautiful as she does, as graceful as she is... What a waste, man. It just, it really pisses me off what this company did with, with no blueprint, no blueprint. James Gunn has a 10 year blueprint and people are bitching. Oh, but he's going to mess it up. He's going to turn it into guardians of the galaxy. These heroes are going to be funny and irreverent. Shut up. Seriously, just shut the fuck up. This man is responsible for Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's one of the producers of Infinity War and Endgame. So you tell me what his track record is like. Okay, moving on. He's going to make, a, I think, a TV show or a movie, I'm not sure, about the land of Themyscira. So he's not going to focus only on Wonder Woman. He's going to focus on her entire legacy, on her race, on the, on the island of Amazonian women, which you know I will be watching. <laughs> moving on. He is doing an animated TV show, I believe, called The Authority, which is kind of a take on 
the Justice League, kind of in between the boys on Amazon and uh, the Justice League. So they're a little bit raunchier, a little bit more raw in that sense. The Batman and the and the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie and its sequels are now considered what are called Elseworld movies, which means in the comic books, they would do things with certain characters that were one-shot one stories, right? So for example... There's an Elseworld comic book that I love called Speeding Bullets. And the premise of that is, what if Superman, as a baby, as he comes towards Earth, something happens that instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Gotham City and he's found by Dr. Thomas Wayne and his wife Martha, who are then killed in an alleyway. And as a reaction to witnessing their murder, Bruce Wayne's eyes ignite and he incinerates the man who kills their parents because he's a Kryptonian. So you're taking Superman and you're putting him in Batman's world and giving him his life. That's the kind of shit that Elseworlds did. They also did another brilliant one. They did two really good uh, uh, books that are now actually animated movies. So if you have HBO Max, I think you could see them on there. One is called Gotham by Gaslight where Batman figures out who Jack the Ripper is. It's a period piece. It's brilliant. And there's another one called Red Sun, which is phenomenal. What if Superman landed in communist Russia instead of Earth when he got here? So they play a lot with this shit. And this is the Elseworlds theme. And this is where the Batman with Robert Pattinson and the Joker, this is what they correspond to. I don't think they necessarily intertwine with one another. They're just individual films. So they don't confuse the average moviegoer. And I think the Elseworlds ones are going to be a little bit more mature driven. Not that the DC world that James Gunn is going to make is going to be, you know, like a cartoon network kind of thing. But these the Elseworlds films are just going to be a little bit more kind of mature theme, which is fine with me. So that's where we are. And the defining movie, the defining movie that's going to hit the reset button. That's going to change all of that, which I might have to do a two-part episode when it's released to give my review is going to be The Flash, starring Ezra Miller as The Flash and the OG himself, Michael Keaton as Batman, portraying his Batman character from the 1989 films. This has been out. This trailer has been out since Super Bowl. So a little over a month ago. So if you guys have not seen this trailer, stop what you're doing and press pause. Go to YouTube. Type in on the search bar, the Flash movie trailer. Select the one that says HD and enjoy. Michael Keaton is back. And according to Tom Cruise, and this is true. Tom Cruise called the director of that film, of the Flash, and said, it is the best superhero movie he's ever seen in his life. Now, this is Mr. Maverick himself. Billion dollar Maverick. I love me some Tom Cruise. I don't care how fucking crazy he is. He could believe in all the aliens in the earth are coming down and pick him up when he dies. Fine with me. He still does his own stunts. His action movies are a little bit more sophisticated. They're not the running gun of the Fast and the Furious or, you know, with all due respect to John Wick. The Mission Impossible films, you really have to pay attention and they do have a huge payoff at the end. Not only that, you have to give credit to Tom Cruise. I think the dude is in his 60s and he's riding a bike off a cliff with a parachute. He did six takes of that shit. If I drop my keys more than once, 
to get into my apartment for whatever reason, I'm sitting outside until somebody opens the door. That's a fact. <laughs> anyway. So that's where we are with the DCU. The flash is going to be the reset button. And then after that, in the coming years, 2025, I think, is going to be the first set of films that are going to be released. And this phase of movies, because the, the Snyderverse had no phases. They were just throwing shit out. Throwing shit out, most of which their films weren't even interconnected, like Shazam. James Gunn has a 10 to 12 year plan, a blueprint. So this should be really, really good. All right. Now, movie review time. So I already told you about Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods. Uh, paint your dog's nails. Shave your cat. I don't join a religion. Leave a religion. Season chicken or meat. Do something else than see that waste of a movie. If I had to score it, I'll give it a three. Only for the costumes. And for some of the special effect sequences that are traditional to Shazam. That I went, oh, okay, well, at least they did that. Ant-Man and Quantumania. So Ant-Man is one of those movies that I said had no business being as good as it was in terms of the first film. I really love the first Ant-Man film. I remember a lot of people were upset when it was Paul Rudd. Um, you know, a lot of the purists was like, he's not Ant-Man. And he wasn't even playing um, Hank Pym. Hank Pym is like Tony Stark, right? So in Ant-Man, Han Hank Pym is played by Michael Douglas, who's much older. So a lot of people were kind of turned off by that. And they're like, we're not even getting the original Ant-Man. Yes, you are. You're just getting him in a mentor capacity. And it worked out brilliant. The first film, excellent. Ant-Man and the Wasp, the sequel, just as good. And it kind of, you know, pushed the character's significance further. You know, it was really great because it also was a film that, I think it was the last film right before Endgame. Because the ending to Ant-Man and the Wasp was pretty deep. There was serious shit going on. So... You know what that sound is, right? Canteen time. Let's have a drink, everybody. Except if you're driving, you better not be drinking alcohol. All right. Good stuff, right? Okay, so the Ant-Man films, the first two films are incredibly great. He also did really good collaboratively uh, in... The Avenger Infinity War and Avengers Endgame and Captain America Civil War. And that's not an easy feat because even Iron Man, Tony Stark, I wasn't a fan of Iron Man 2 and 3. I was a fan more of what he did when he worked with other heroes like in Civil War and Infinity War and then Endgame. Uh, and Spider-Man. He was also in the Spider-Man series. So... That's one of the reasons why I enjoy the character very much. And I'm glad he got a third film. Also, the significance of this film is that it introduces the major villain moving forward to the event films. And by the event films, I mean uh, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and the big bad Mamma Gemma that everybody's waiting for, Avengers Secret Wars which is Kang the Conqueror, played by an actor by the name of Jonathan Majors. He is 
kind of everywhere these days for good and unfortunately recently for bad. John Majors is also in Creed 3, um, Creed, another film franchise that just blew me away. I love the Rocky films, maybe with the exception of like Rocky 5, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. Um, but it continues the Rocky franchise, or at least the legacy of Rocky, through the son of Rocky's opponent, later turned uh, good friend Apollo Creed, who dies in the fourth film. Sorry if I gave anything away. But I mean, if you even see a trailer of Creed, you'll, I mean, that'll be addressed. So I'm not really giving anything away in that sense. But the Creed films were really good. There were two. The first one is great. The second one kind of addressed what happened in the fourth film, with which was really good. And now Creed 3, which I have not seen, but I'm looking forward to seeing. And Jonathan Majors just looks badass, man. He's, this guy's a monster, right? Uh, in Ant-Man, he plays Kang. So the Marvel Universe is definitely known for its villains. Uh, DC, not so much. DC primarily works on Batman's villain. Batman has the greatest rogue gallery, hands down. There really is no other DC superhero who has a villain that comes even remotely close. And I'm talking about Lex Luthor too. Batman's villains are where it's at. I mean, everything from Carmine Falcone, who's a mobster, all the way up to the granddaddy of them all, the Joker. Marvel... Marvel's villains are always better and they're much, much more deeper in that sense. Magneto is one who I love deeply. <laughs> Thanos. And now, I mean, ultimately down the end of the line, the big bad boy himself, Dr. Doom, you'll see what I mean. And here we have Kang the Conqueror. Kang pretty much operates or he's an explorer or scientist that is an explorer and he travels through timelines. His brilliance and the technology that he uses to go from one timeline to the next usually means chaos and destruction of an entire fucking timeline. Now, where Thanos snapped his finger and 50% of the universe disappeared, Kang can erase an entire timeline out of existence if he chooses to. If he doesn't subjugate it, if he doesn't conquer it, if he gets resistance, then he'll find a way to just destroy that timeline and move on to the next. So there are many different variations of him, as there are many different variations of all the heroes of all of us. It's like that, uh, what is it? That DC has the multiverse, as does Marvel. It's I think DC's is 52. That they're diff 52 different variations of the universe as we know it, right? So in the Marvel universe, Kang can interact and go in and out of these universes. And the repercussions of what he does can be catastrophic. He is a force to be reckoned with, and he is the appropriate, in my opinion, villain if we are coming into Secret Wars because it will ultimately lead to two other people joining that list. Dr. Doom and a galactic force, a galactic entity called the Beyonder. So remember that for you guys who don't 
you know, really read comics. That will ultimately lead to uh, Secret Wars. What I liked about Ant-Man was the heart of the film. Jonathan Majors, again, was brilliant. Michelle Pfeiffer was phenomenal. Um, and, of course, uh, Paul Rudd is great. The The effects were solid. A um, couple of things I didn't like was what they did with Modoc. Modoc is a very popular character. He's a villain. Uh, kind of a, how can I say, almost like a comical villain in a sense, given how he looks. And, you know, I mean, he could be ruthless, very ruthless to his credit, but he even looks funny. I mean, if you guys Google Modoc, you'll see what I mean. He looks like he looks like a, he has his big, he's a combined huge head and body with little extremities, little arms and little legs and little feet. His legs are so small, he has to fucking float. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So he's kind of a comical character as a villain, but... If you slip or if you, you take them lightly, you know, you'll pay the price. So he is in this film. The character turn, excuse me, too much water. The character turn that they did with him kind of left me up in the air. I kind of understand what they did with him. But I wasn't sure if I was happy with how it ended. Otherwise, I mean, he looked, I think they could have done a little more. But I just think in a way it was them kind of just, oh, quick, let's, you know, I have an idea. Somebody was like, let's put MODOK in the movie. Because honestly, how else would you really bring MODOK into this universe? But anyway, I digress. The family element of Ant-Man, the Wasp, his daughter now, Cassie, I believe, she, she, she becomes Stinger in the Young Avengers. She's in it as well. She shows her, you know, her level of intelligence in terms of what Hank Pym can do and, you know, the tenacity of her dad. Um, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang is fantastic. There are some points that the effects are really, really great. They do kind of go off on this Star Wars cantina feel for a second. And it just, it gets a little bit too sci-fi for me. Like, just a little bit. You know, it, it, it shows how the the quantum verse is a universe unto itself. And so you see these really, you know, these amoebas and shit that are crazy. And it's it's more centered of a family film. It's not really one of those Marvel movies like, say, Winter Soldier. That is a lot more grounded and has a lot more dramatic elements to it. So this is appropriate for Ant-Man, though, given the subject matter. And the last thing I have to say about the film that I did love very much is that Scott Lang pretty much, I mean, he could be written off as a gimmick character. He could turn really small or he could get really big. You know, he does some genius shit throughout all of the films. But here, one of the things that stood out is how he stood his ground physically against Kang and he fought. He's not really a fighter. He's not Shang-Chi. He's not Captain America. He's not Black Widow. So... If he fights somebody who has a slight edge over him, he's going to get his ass handed to him. But what I loved about his portrayal here is his heart. He kept going. He he fought to make sure Kang could not achieve what he wanted to. And that made me appreciate the character more than I have in a long time. Uh, if I had to rate it, I think I gave Ant-Man... Give me one second here. I gave Ant-Man a 7, 7.5. 
So definitely worth taking a look. A good addition to the Marvel Universe. Great opportunity to inject Kang into the situation. Um, and it just worked. It worked overall. Uh, I thought the ending was a, wrapped up a little too neatly and too quickly. Kang definitely, you could see that he's a threat. But the way everything was kind of wrapped up, I was like, hmm. But we'll see. There's clearly more to come. So stick around for two post-credit scenes. Um, as for Jonathan Majors, though, recently, if you look at the news, um, through an unfortunate circumstances, he was arrested over this past weekend, uh, as I air this episode, uh, for allegedly domestic violence. Um, turn of events, the person who had placed the charges against him has now apparently rescinded her statement. Or has withdrawn her statement. So there's a lot here to kind of be fleshed out. I really hope things get worked out. He looks phenomenal as Kang. And he has a brilliant career going. You know, but he shot himself in the foot if he did this, man. You know, you just like this is not, you know, a, a love session therapy podcast. But if you're in a toxic relationship with somebody, get the fuck out. Just get out. And I, you know. I speak from certain points of experience. You know, if you feel like you got to put your hands on somebody that you're with, that you quote unquote, you're in love with, or just get out, get out. You should never have to put your hands on the person you're with that you love. Only if it's obviously in a loving matter and a caring matter. If it gets to that, it's bad. And this kid could potentially have his whole career shot down the toilet. You know, thankfully he didn't really hurt this girl who's, place the charges um apparently she she said she was slapped and that she was strangled but you know she was taken to a hospital and overall she she's fine and again it's just curious as to why she would rescind her her statement but we'll see we'll see what time brings because you know he will be replacing a heartbeat and it would be a damn shame because the guy is a talented actor and you know it's one bad decision you make that can destroy everything so I wish him luck. I hope he gets help. I hope uh, things work out for everyone involved. But moving on. The last film that I'm going to review for this episode. And thank you guys for sticking with me, man. A lot to cover, but I've been gone for three months. You know, so I got to get my shit together, man. I got to let you guys know what I'm thinking about these films. John Wick. Can't believe there are four movies in that series. Well, John Wick. I saw the first film, um, and I have to say that it is easily my favorite. When I saw the first John Wick film, I found it incredibly entertaining. I seemed very grounded. The, the, I always say that American directors, and I think a lot of them are, are starting to realize that uh, American directors really don't know how to shoot action sequences. They don't. It's either very up close and very convoluted, and they shake the camera a lot, and they don't really get the scope of it. The John Wick films were brilliant. Because they show you this stylized, I guess they call it gung fu, where Keanu is like doing karate, then he shoots you two times, and you know, very graphic, ultra violent stuff. You know, I would caution against watching this with the little ones. Um, but it's definitely entertaining, and this is the guy that did The Matrix. Uh, I personally love The Matrix trilogy. I don't know what the fuck that fourth one was about, but I don't even count it. Um, 
The Matrix trilogy as itself, if you just leave that alone and watch it, I think you would definitely enjoy it. Uh, particularly the second one, which I think is Matrix Reloaded. And it's just, you know, it's kind of Keanu's thing. It's what he's really good at. And the John Wick film, the first one at least, and I'm a dog lover, particularly bulldogs. Pieces of meatball. I love bulldogs. So I could appreciate his rage. And after everything he had gone through, I think he loses his wife in the movie as well. That kind of activates him into becoming who he was when he was trying to get away from that. John Wick, first film, incredibly entertaining. Second one was fun, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. Fun as it was. Um, it just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of got a little loosey-goosey. It wasn't as grounded. And then that's where I found that level of disbelief even more so with the third film, which I believe is called John Wick Parabellum or something like that. It just, it started to feel, I mean, not to give anything away, at the end of the film, the guy's thrown off a fucking building and he survives. I was just like, uh-uh, come on now. Like, you guys are veering away into something almost superhero-like. And I was right. Because John Wick Chapter 4 pretty much cements the fact that he is his own superhero in his universe. So in hindsight, John Wick 4 did for me what Rogue Squadron did for Star Wars A New Hope. It made it so much better. And Star Wars, was the first Star Wars is fucking perfect. But John Wick 4 is the wickiest John Wick film that has ever wicked a John Wick. <laughs> and you, you'll see what I'm saying. I mean, they go all out. Keanu is a little slower this time around. You could tell. And I think that also kind of works to the benefit that one, he is older than he was from the first film. Two, apparently he is human. Even though he fell off a building and survived. Three, just age. You know, make make him show that age and, and, and the abuse his body has taken throughout these series of films kind of slows him down. But don't don't let it trick you, man. He doesn't miss a beat. There's a scene in particular with nunchucks, which I think is a homage to Bruce Lee that is not only hilarious, but it's so fucking cool. Um, there's enough action definitely to fill up the three-hour runtime. It's almost like two hours and 45 or 50 minutes, so it's not short. But the action is done well enough that you're, you know, you're not dozing off or you know, you're, you're uh, distracted by anything. Donnie Yen is phenomenal. He's basically reprising his role from uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. He's a blind martial artist, you know, like a Kung Fu master. Same thing as John Wick, but just blind. And he uses a staff and a sword. And um, I was honestly waiting for him at some point to be like, I am one with the force and the force is with me. I would have died laughing. But Donnie Yen, unbelievable. He does a great job. Um also, a couple of other actors that I, I really enjoy. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, if you guys ever saw the Shawshank Redemption, he was the piece of shit warden that was corrupt, the tall guy. And for the comic book fans in the, in the, in the podcast group, he is the voice of Lex Luthor from The Adventures of Superman, the animated series. Clancy Brown, one of my all-time favorites. And there is another actor who I truly love. He is in The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, brilliant Japanese actor. He's done a handful of other films. I think he was also in Wolverine, 
the Wolverine or something like that. The one where Wolverine goes to Japan. I think he's in that as well. And he was also in Avengers Endgame. He plays, he has a brief cameo as the Japanese gang lord who is killed by Hawkeye. His name is Hiroyuki Sanada. And he's just, there's something about this actor, man. He has really great presence and he's just beautiful in his movements and the way he fights and how he keeps that like traditional samurai element in his movements and what he does. So um, that being said, the, the film isn't without its flaws. I mean, it definitely has like that Euro stylized, like there's a scene that they're fighting in a club, like there's a fucking shootout and everybody around them doesn't move. They're just still dancing. It's like, and people waving, bro, I don't know if that shit happened in New York. You hear a, a champagne bottle pop people are ducking for cover and these people are just still dancing and while john wick is fighting a dude who looks like a gangster version of fucking barney he's in a purple suit this big heavy set fat guy shit is kind of hilarious but the you know the the action sequences with this guy with that heavy set guy is pretty admirable man he's throwing kicks and like he's holding his own so again this movie has a way of even though it it, it does a lot of the fantastic the fantastical if that's even a word uh, and it, it's in this ultra violent setting, it still captures your imagination and still makes you go, Oh shit, you know. So you appreciate what's done without a doubt. Um, the main villain, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the same dude who plays a clown in it, the Skazgard uh, Sk uh, kid. I think it's Stellan Skazgard. Um, he was, I wish he wouldn't have been so European cheesy. He almost felt like he needed a thin mustache that he could twirl. You know what I mean? It was a little bit too much. The suits are great. The style is impeccable. The, the fighting choreography is top notch. Top notch. My thing was the movie was just a little too long. Some scenes were a little bit too repetitive. It kind of frustrates me. The brilliance of it is that apparently they wear Kevlar suits, right? His tuxedo is made of Kevlar. But whenever they go to shoot him in the face, like he picks up his coat real quick not to get shot in the face. And I'm like, if you guys are master assassins, go for the fucking head. The movie would be an hour and 30 minutes. I digress. It was still incredibly entertaining. Uh, and I walked out very happy. I did enjoy it. I would see it again. Uh, first one is still my all-time favorite. First one is definitely worth watching. If you decide at that point to see the additional films, feel free to do so. Again, the two strongest in my book. The first wick and chapter four. So give it a look. See, you know, see if you like it. And guys, I think that's it, man. I think that's my time. I ran down through everything. Did I tell you guys that Shazam, Fury of the Gods was absolute shit? No, I did, right? Don't see the movie. Please don't see the movie. Just don't see it. Don't do it. If you don't have to, don't watch Shazam, Fury of the Gods. I mean... If you have to see Wonder Woman 1984, I guess. Like, watch it with your kids if they've been bad. You know, like, waste their time. Like, if they're in punishment and shit, and you take away TV and that first thing you watch when they get to, you know, TV privileges back, watch Wonder Woman or Shazam 2. That'll learn them. They'll never do whatever they did again. I bet you that's shit. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty much where we are. So I hope you guys enjoyed this crazy episode. I kind of feel like I'm 
like the Shazam sequel. I'm kind of all over the place on this one, but there was a lot of ground to cover, and I miss you guys, man. I I really do love doing this. I don't I have to schedule a better time to do these things. And also, given that we really didn't have much content, or I didn't have much content to talk about, I'm glad in a way that I was able to kind of bring everything together. Right now, there are a lot of upcoming things that I will be reviewing you guys need to get on Mandalorian Season 3. It is excellent. Um, off of the superhero subject, Succession. If you guys watch that show, it's a drama show on HBO. Check it out. Uh, season 4 started yesterday, last night. Definitely worth watching. I will later do a re review of The Last of Us as well. Uh, HBO series that just passed based on a PlayStation video game. And I have to say... I cannot think, I, I mean, video games have tried to translate into films and TV shows. Everything from Tomb Raider to Resident Evil. I mean, we even have Super Mario Brothers coming out. And yes, I am going to see Super Mario Brothers just to see him get the star. Just to see him run to that song that I used to love. That he was glowing, remember? Oh, that was a shit, man. The 80s were the shit. I don't care what anybody says. We had the best childhood. We really did have the best childhood. Um, so Super Mario Brothers, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil. I have to say by far and away, this The Last of Us is like the godfather in comparison to any of those other attempts at movies based on a video game. This is really the cream of the crop. Pedro Pascal does amazing. Uh, Bella Ramsey, the young lady who plays Ellie, is fantastic. She was in Game of Thrones as well. She was a lot younger there. Here she holds her own brilliant, brilliant young actress. I'm looking forward to seeing what else she does. And give it a go. It, the whole the whole season is out. So I think it's like six or seven episodes long. Um, give it a look. Uh, my man Pedro is everywhere. He's, he's Last of Us. He's Mandalorian. I guess I needed both of these things for me to forgive his portrayal in Wonder Woman 1984. Because if you guys didn't see it, oof, he's cast as like one of the villains. That whole movie was an unfortunate situation. But anyway, enough about bad movies and unfortunate situations. We're here to talk about good movies and good times. So guys, thank you so, so much for listening. I'm sorry I've been away for so long. As always, if you have any questions, any topics, anything you want me to cover... My handle on Instagram is Heroes Retreat Podcast, uh, or you could email me at Heroes Retreat Podcast at gmail.com. I am Noel Cruz. I am eternally grateful you guys are here and taking a listen with me. Be well, be safe, take care of yourselves, and I look forward to joining you for the next episode. Be good. Bye bye.